Hello, and welcome to Peter's podcast, where we talk about real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living. Thanks for joining me. Sometimes things work the way we want. Sometimes they don't. There are different ways to react to that. One is the way toddlers react. That way is to laugh when things work out and to cry or scream when they don't. I say toddlers because that's probably where it starts, but that way of reacting continues on into old age as far as I can see. And while I'm not a developmental psychologist, I'm sure there are good descriptions about what I experienced as a long slog toward getting more and more freedom to try to get things my way, culminating in getting out of my parents' house, which I thought would give me freedom to do and therefore get what I wanted. How'd that work out? Not so well. After that, in my continuing quest for getting things to work out the way I wanted, I went even farther away, thinking that was where the happiness would be. I found California. I found the New Age movement and practices that engaged with life in a different way. That brought a new way of reacting to things that still weren't what I wanted. There's probably a few names for it, but Wendy and I usually call it magical thinking. It goes like this. Things aren't going the way I want. I affirm that they are, that I have what I want by using mantra, using affirmation, using visualization. Then, through the magic of this, things will work out the way I want. There is so much of this in the spiritual world that you could say it's rampant. At its best, it's a sort of optimism. It helps you stay upbeat, and gives you a feeling of being powerful. As opposed to being depressed or feeling powerless, it's definitely a good thing. But when you rely on magical thinking, you inevitably run into a disconnect where you're affirming something and it's not there. It didn't happen, you didn't get it. At that point, you probably make a choice to do one of several things. One, double down and you chalk it up to the time frame. You say things like, I just didn't get what I want yet. Or two, you give up and you look for happiness elsewhere. Or three, you hold on to the magical thinking, but you know it's not working. You ignore that dilemma, or you just kind of let it go unconscious as you continue to hold to the premise. I did this. I've written pages and binders full of affirmations. I visualized myself in wonderful situations. I did what a friend used to call, let go, let God do it. And sometimes those things came to be or came to pass. Sometimes when they're in the realm of possibility or they're your karma to use yoga speak, affirming something or visualizing something or holding that something is going to happen is totally effective because it's just your blueprint for working that thing out, 
for taking the right steps, for acting on your priorities, trusting in your capabilities. That's a good thing. Again, as opposed to thinking something's impossible or you're not good enough, it's a great thing. And sometimes it even seems magical. You want something, you do your magic, you get the thing, wow. But then something you approach that way doesn't work and you get to go through the dilemma again. In the 1980s, I found a book called The Course in Miracles. From the title, it sounded like a manual for magic. It was anything but. It talked about what we want, but it didn't say you can have what you want. In fact, it relegated what you want to be part of yourself called ego. Earlier, I called it the toddler. The course wasn't about getting what you want. It was about the miracle of realizing who you are and what is working through you. Fast forward 30 plus years, and I have yoga philosophy to complement what The Course in Miracles woke in me back then. And it's been interesting for me to think about that relationship between the two a little this year. The inclination to think about it came about because Lindsay Sanwald, who I do kirtan with and who has been on this podcast, invited me to go see Marianne Williamson speak. Marianne has been leading a kind of a service, almost like a church service, based on the course in New York and L.A. since the 1980s. And I used to attend those services in L.A. when I was deep into the course. And Louise Hay and Shakti Gawain's creative visualization, all that great new age affirmation kind of stuff. A few students over the years have read and spoken with me about the course because they knew that I had done it. Others have asked if they should read it. And others, including Wendy, took a look at it and got turned off by the language or the format. Uh, The format is like a year-long daily workbook practice plus a textbook. So I've had a chance to think about the similarities and the usefulness of the course in a yoga context from all those different interactions. Both paths give the alternative to magical thinking and help you find a much more satisfying way to react to the fact that things sometimes work the way we want and at other times they don't. I'm gonna take a little break and I'll talk more about that after. a lot of talk at this time of year about giving and buying and all of that and I'm afraid I'm going to do a a little bit of the same because uh, I need to to fund Peter's podcast. Uh, Instead of running ads, I'm using a crowdsourcing called Patreon. I've spoken about it before. And uh, instead of having ads listening to me telling you to buy things I don't care about and you don't want, I thought I'm gonna ask you to buy Peter's podcast. Patreon makes it so easy to buy Peter's podcast. You go to patreon.com slash Peter's podcast and you click on options and fill stuff out just like you do in everything else on the internet. But I wanted to make it even more enticing to support the podcast. So I'm offering something new 
Well, I'm offering something old and new. I'm simplifying my special offerings on Patreon. And the new offerings are all about access. If you'd like to work one-on-one with me, I'm making that available. And there are two ways to do it. The first way is to work with me via email. We'll touch base once a month, and I'll respond with advice and practices that can help you find a graceful path through life. It's kind of like an old-fashioned correspondence course, and I feel kind of sentimental about it because it's the way that I worked with Paramahansa Yogananda's school when I was first learning meditation. I'm calling this level of support on Patreon the SAGE. I'm sure that working in this way will be cool and give you a way to work on and clarify things. And if, like me, you sometimes prefer writing to talking, it's a nice format that lets you have time to think about what you want to say. Plus, you get to call yourself a sage. It's very cool. The second access offering already exists. It's the genius level. And listeners have already taken advantage of it for the opportunity to work with me in a live 45-minute online session. It's a chance to have a conversation about anything in your life and your concerns and to get support and practices that can address old patterns and build new inspired outcomes. It's a private session that we can do from wherever you live using Skype or FaceTime. You can do it once or once a month. It's up to you. And if you're happy just listening to the podcast and you don't feel the need to communicate with me right now, I still need you to buy the podcast at whatever level works for you. I mean, you can still listen for free, but let me share my perspective on that. I put effort into the podcast. I line up guests and buy equipment, subscribe to hosting sites. You get what I hope is about an hour of interesting, inspiring, dare I say, life-changing content whenever you listen. To pitch some dollars my way via Patreon is like the honor system way of paying for what you get. You could value it like a good yoga class, which is about 20 bucks a pop, or like picking up the tab for lunch, which is about 15 bucks, or buying me a cappuccino for about four bucks. I don't know about you, but I'll even throw the musician on the subway platform a buck for making my three-minute wait more interesting. It's just a nice thing to do. I get that spending money is not always easy, but coming and going with your Patreon support is really easy. Anytime you want to pause your support, you can. Anytime you want to increase your support, like say you want a genius session, or you just really liked an episode, you can do that and then change it back again for the next month. So be a part of the new micro-economy of crowdsourcing by supporting Peter's Podcast. Go there now, patreon.com slash peterspodcast. You'll feel good. I'll feel good. Thank you. Course in Miracles unwinds our typical way of thinking. The Yoga Sutras speak about this, but because of the culture the sutras come from, the sutras assume you'll do this unwinding with the guidance of a teacher. The teacher will help your self-study and bring you to unwind the thinking patterns that prevent you from finding your true self, called by various names, including Purusha in Sanskrit. The sutras say you find the true self when you recognize that you are not the thoughts, the thinking, the conditions of mental activity, ultimately of relating to life as a mind, 
what in Sanskrit is labeled vritti. When you step aside from the vritti, you witness your true nature. This happens in meditation, but the awareness of your nature persists in the intervals between meditations. You act differently because of your awareness. The colloquial way of saying this is that you are inspired. You are tuned in. Your life seems clear and in a way full of power and miracles. You have self-realization. Paramahansa Yogananda coined this phrase, named his organization the Self-Realization Fellowship. The Course in Miracles includes an introductory text, a text for teachers separately from that, and this 365-day workbook. The workbook serves the role of the teacher as well as any book can, which I think is sort of not so great. And in fact, the fame of Marianne Williamson attests to the value of teachers, regardless of what a book is set up to do. But still, the course workbook systematically works through a process towards self-realization. It asks you to repattern typical thoughts that many of us hold and that keep us engrossed in this vritti, this relating to life as a mind. So the sutras say, practice and the truth and how to bring that truth into life will become clear. The Course in Miracles says the same thing. It sets an affirmative view of life and speaks of our nature as love. Here's a bit of the mental repatterning using the Course's language. And this comes primarily from the introductory um, text. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. The opposite of love is fear, but what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. So this is stating that love is that thing that is real and that nothing else exists. This course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. Miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. They are performed by those who temporarily have more for those who temporarily have less. So to paraphrase this, the Course says that we experience what is not love, fear, but it isn't true or real. It is, in yoga speak, the vritti. You can't teach what love is because it's beyond our thinking mental activity. Nonetheless, it's our true nature. And when we remove the blocks, we experience it. Then our experience lights up in our lives for those who are still in fear. And this is seen as a miracle. In the sutras, these are called powers or siddhis, that when you do your practice and you have the experience of transcending, of samadhi, to use the Sanskrit word, you gain powers over our normal activity of life, and it looks miraculous. The Course suggests that we do this process by repatterning our mind so that we look at every moment as a place to surrender to our 
intuition or the Holy Spirit, to use the Course's language. The Course borrows extensively from sort of Christian typical language, but then it redefines everything. So our intuition is this Holy Spirit. We get to that place where we can surrender every moment to our intuition through the practice of the Course's workbook then the intuition lets us know what actions to take in every moment. In yoga, how do we remove the blocks? What is the language we do there? We repattern wrong thoughts so we can meditate and bring that meditation quality, that samadhi state, back into life through this power, through these miracles. We use the yamas and niyamas as guides to what we need to restrict, yama, and what we need to expand, niyama, to align with the kind of mental peace that brings about a fruitful meditation. Then the entire toolbox of hatha yoga, tantra yoga, are available to make gross and subtle adjustments that move us toward balance, and ultimately that samadhi state, the meditation that lets us experience who we are and allow inspiration. One of the tools in the toolbox is mantra, and mantra is the vibration of powerful statements, names of deity energy, and seed sounds. They can seem in translation like prayers or worship or affirmation, but their function is a repatterning of the practitioner's energy. Like when you ring a tuning fork in a, in a choir or something, and it brings the choir into tune. Everybody matches the frequency. A mantra takes a person who is out of balance and makes them harmonious again. And since there are numerous ways we go out of balance, there are numerous mantras. What's always been interesting to me is that the mantras all pretty much mean the same thing. They mean that we need to turn toward our inner light and stop looking to the world as being the sole reality. But they each push us in a slightly different way, addressing a different imbalance through a slightly different energy to get us there. Okay, so I want to sort of bring a couple of things back together because I think what I've been saying can sound like it contradicts a little bit. So the difference between mantra done right and the kind of affirmation that I called wishful thinking earlier is primarily one of intention. When you want things to work out your way, the affirmation is a kind of petitioning. Dear universe, give me what I want, <laughs> right? When you recite a mantra or do any kind of affirmation really, one that you make up or one that someone gives you, even if it's in English, your intention should be to manifest the energy of the mantra this changes you, then you have what is right for you. You become divine, quote unquote, in that you are living on earth as an expression of your wholeness. You're manifesting and aware of who and what you are. The Course in Miracles calls what you become 
the Son of God, again, tapping into that Christian language. But in the course, this isn't the name of Jesus, but a description of the infinite power of the universe born into manifestation. It is each of us. The Course is quite ruthless about what we think we know and what we've learned. So what this implies is that we are always thinking we want something or other, but that may not be the thing that is the right thing for us. That may not be the thing that is our karma. That may not be the thing that will really bring us happiness, contentment uh, uh, to our highest expression. And the Course is quite ruthless about what we think we know and what we think we've learned. And it puts this process of transformation, the kind of description of the practice like this. Be willing then for all of it to be undone, all of that stuff you think you know. And be glad that you are not bound to it forever for you have taught yourself how to imprison the Son of God. <laughs> and the opposite of that, what it calls the atonement, the retuning in, atonement teaches you how to escape forever from everything that you have taught yourself in the past by showing you only what you are now. And to flip over into the way yoga talks about this, as to what you get, the Bhagavad Gita provides this advice. When unattached to objects or activities, one attains yoga. This steadfast person is tranquil in heat or cold, in pleasure or pain, honor and dishonor. To her, a clod of earth, a stone or gold are the same. And she treats all people impartially, whether friend, enemy, righteous, and unrighteous. It's seeing the divine in everyone and everything, which, by the way, is the meaning of our traditional yoga greeting when we say namaste. Alan Finger, Sarah Finger, and I are leading a meditation training at Ishta Yoga in December. You can get all the details at ishtayoga.com, or you can head over to my website, peterferko.com, for a link there. And I'll put one in the show notes to boot. You can also catch me at weekly classes at Ishta or at Floating Lotus in Midtown Manhattan. Check out the details of my schedule at peterferko.com. Lindsay Sanwald, who goes by the moniker Ijidean in her music life, and I made an EP, which is a word that some of you youngsters might not know. It comes from the era when there were records, uh, which is what vinyl used to be called. And uh, EP was an extended play as opposed to a single. So it was bigger than a single, but it was smaller than an LP, which was a long play record. So an EP uh, that we made has five uh, mantras on it performed as kirtan. Kirtan is musical repetition of mantra. And um, our take on it was to do it in the style of music that we both like doing. So it's got a kind of a folk psychedelic rock beat. They're really fun to listen to. 
Uh, I'm going to play some samples from the EP right now so you can get a, a sense of what it is like. And I'll talk about the mantras as well so you uh, have an idea of the shift in energy that each one is uh, built to bring about. And uh, hopefully this will give you a little fleshing out to what I was talking about earlier about this notion of the mantra meaning the same thing, but having a different purpose and slightly different use. Okay, so um, here's our album. We're called Psych Rock Kirtan, and the album is called Shiva Shakti. You can get a hold of a copy of it on Bandcamp which is a .com, bandcamp.com, where you can listen and or download for uh, download the, the EP and enjoy it whenever you want. All right? So let's see. Here we go. Shiva Shakti by Psych Rock Kirtan. the beauty inherent in everything when it's seen through the eye of inner wisdom. So it goes to that, that section from the Gita that was talking about when you align with your true self, everything seems beautiful. Everything is the right thing. Everything is great. So this, the, the mantra is saying, you know, that, that magic, that transcendent thing is in the forest, it's in the mountains, it's in the rivers, it's in the oceans, it's in everything, and it lists them. So that's Hey Hari Sundari, first uh, up on our album Shiva Shakti. The second song is Shiva Shakti. Thank you. 
Shiva Shakti are the two parts of our manifest world, like the yin and the yang. They're the knowledge of what is, and they're the material of what is, the energy of what is. Knowing that they both exist brings us uh, awareness of the whole, so we understand where we are, what we're living through, and we can know the whole, which is to know that we're also transcendent of this. So repeating this mantra helps you to grasp that you're not just the stuff, you're also aware of how this all fits together. refers to two different deity energies, Lakshmi and Kamala. They are both invoking the energy of abundance in our material world. Repeating this mantra stabilizes your life to allow abundance of the best kind, which is not always what you want. Lakshmi is Mother Nature in her abundance, and Kamala is the heart's delight, the thing that is beautiful and brings happiness. The next mantra in the EP is to Ganesha, or Ganapata is another name, and that's the energy of breaking through the obstacles to success. When you call on this energy, you're using a Bija mantra, gum, 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 and it helps to overcome challenges and create success in spiritual, emotional, and worldly endeavors. So you're aligning yourself with that part of you that just won't take no for an answer but trusting that the answer that you're going to get is the divine one.
This is a mantra that you've heard if you've ever been in a park like Union Square, where um, a particular guru recommended to chant constantly to Krishna and Rama as a way to find their alignment with the truth. But despite the sort of uh, colloquial humor of that particular movement, the essence of the mantra is quite gorgeous. Krishna is a bringer of understanding when we're in the dark ages of our lives and brings an appreciation of the beauty when we're in the light. Rama and Krishna are considered incarnations of the forces that sustain the universe. So to chant to them is to align yourself with your the part of you that understands what is. So again, you can start to see the similarities that they're all bringing you around to the same idea, but through slightly different, when you need a slightly different shift in what pattern is in your mind right now. So that concludes the Psych Rock Kirtan. I hope you've enjoyed the sample. Please go check it out at bandcamp.com slash psychrockkirtan. And... Uh, Give it a listen. you've enjoyed this uh, kind of a unique Peter's podcast um, it's been fun for me we, we uh, had a little break for Thanksgiving and I had a, a lot of thoughts around Thanksgiving I uh, ended up putting them in a newsletter uh, if you're not on my mailing list you can head to peterferco.com and get on that and um, so I had a lot of musings over the holidays and I thought I'd put them together in this solo podcast format so have a wonderful time. Support me on Patreon. And I will talk to you next week. Namaste.